0: What do you do when you're feeling joyful? Jump up and down. Jump up and down? Yeah. Smile, sing. smile, sing. One of the most common things we do is we smile. And, um, and some people smile a lot. And some people don't smile much at all. Um, but generally, when we're joyful, we smile. But Sometimes it's uh, difficult to smile. It lit yesterday. (laughs) Yeah, and I may grab it in just a second. Thank goodness there's another one. But sometimes there are difficult things that come into our lives. And um, so these candles represent hope and peace and joy and love. This candle represents trials, when life heats up a little bit. And we find out... um, what we're filled with. And these balloons represent people. And we're going to find out what's inside of these people. Okay? So, I'm going to take this balloon. Are you all ready? (laughs) We're excited. And... You knew that was coming. And there's some things that came out of the balloon. Um, In spite of the smile on the outside, there's uh, selfishness and bitterness and uh, envy and discontent. Thank you, Randy. Um, And it blew the candle out, so we're going to have to light it again. But this other balloon is filled with something else. And let's see what happens to it. It doesn't pop. How did you do that? (laughs) How did I do that? Well, if you look carefully, this balloon is filled with water. And matter of fact, it still feels cold on the bottom, even though it's been over the candle. And the water keeps the balloon from popping. Well, it turns out that there's something that can be inside of us that keeps the, light, the candle and the heat and the difficult times from putting out the joy in our lives. That's God's given us the gift of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit in us produces joy that shows regardless of the heat. So, the question is, is your joy showing this Christmas? I was hoping to be able to stand up this morning, but um, after surgery two and a half weeks ago, I overestimated my strength this morning, so I'm going to sit down, and hopefully that's not, not a problem. Um, what's wrong with this picture? The house is missing. <laughs> the house is missing, and I don't know if you can see the uh, expressions on the people's faces. I, love, I love that there's still the, uh, the stockings are yeah now it turns out this this picture is special to me because I know this family um and uh they're they're a wonderful family and um if you saw the the article in the newspaper um they had a blast doing this they were laughing giggling, they had pictures taken with gas masks on they they just did all. They're a little crazy. <laughs> but they have discovered that life goes beyond their house and stuff and whatever and their joy just shows and I thought it was a it was a great thing to have on the front of the paper after all of the bad news and all the crazy stuff that goes on. So I'm really grateful that for they that they did that and I'm especially grateful um, that we actually know them. Um, they're good friends have been good friends. We've known the kids since they were tiny. Um, so, what is joy and what does it produce? Now, I, I looked through a lot of stuff this week and there are a lot of definitions, but this is the one I found that I think captures its best. Joy is the settled assurance that god is in control of all the details of my life the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right and the determined choice to praise god in every situation one of the things i've been doing a lot of study about lately not directly related to this message this morning is I've been studying things that just show that the the concept of sorrow or suffering and joy are just tied together in Scripture. There's no way you can pull them apart. And when Rick Warren was talking about this definition, um, he basically came up with this concept of two train tracks. And... Um, if you, um, after carefully checking that no trains are coming, stand in the middle of, matter of fact, I'm sure this is true with the new train, um, the, the smart train, um, because it, it's relatively flat around here. So you can see for a long ways. And if you stand in the middle and look toward the horizon or look down the tracks, what do you see? Eventually, the two tracks come together. And I believe that the Bible tells us that our lives constantly run on these two tracks, joy and sorrow. And Advent encourages us to focus at the bright point at the end when Jesus returns and it all comes together and joy and sorrow what it really means is the sorrow will make sense and the joy will be totally understandable in scripture this is what we see over and over joy and sorrow always seem to come together. We're going to, and this is going to be sort of chronological, but we're going to jump back to the Old Testament. In Isaiah 61, 1 through 4, Isaiah says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that had been devastated for generations. Isaiah's good news doesn't ignore reality. The Jewish people were suffering. Instead, his message is that God is coming to turn the sorrow into joy. So while they are poor, and they were poor, there is good news. While they were brokenhearted, their homes were destroyed, their land was devastated, there would be healing. Some were prisoners, and there would be release. Others were captives, in other words, for slaves, and there would be freedom. There was certainly mourning because there would have been children lost, things lost, and there would be comfort. There certainly was despair because they couldn't see the bright point at the end of the railroad tracks, Um, and yet there was to be praise. And as Bryce has talked about the last couple of weeks, there was ruin and devastation everywhere they looked, and we're very, very familiar with that, and yet they would be able to rebuild and restore. That's what God does. He takes what looks terrible and turns it into something incredible. Over and over and over again. Isaiah continues in verses 8 and 9. He says, For I, the Lord, love justice, I hate robbery and wrongdoing, In my faithfulness I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant for them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. God's faithfulness brings reward. And the reward is supposed to bring an acknowledgement of God's blessing. Joy shows." Um, and as Kathy was talking this morning, it just really struck me uh, and how what a contrast to the picture of those people standing in front of their fireplace that remains with the stockings on the, there and they're smiling and the contrast of that was somebody who's singing Christmas songs with a frown on their face. It doesn't make sense. If there's joy, it shows. And that's what we're going to really focus on this morning. So Isaiah ends up, he says in verses 10 and 11, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. How does Isaiah respond to this good news he has given to proclaim? His joy shows. Uh, It comes out just in in the words that he writes and the way he expresses it. He's been prophesying about destruction and captivity. And if you read through the book of Isaiah, there's 40 chapters of destruction and captivity. It's hard reading. There isn't a lot of good news. But now he turns his eyes to the future beyond those things. And notice the key phrase. He says, my soul... Rejoices in my God. Not in the circumstances, not in where we are today. God is the source of joy. His purpose for us is that our righteousness, both right living and our lifestyle, and our attitude, our praise or rejoicing, would be seen. Our actions and our attitude both matter. What the people of Isaiah's time were going through was incredibly painful. Yet God had planted something deep within them that blossomed in their hardship. And, and Isaiah uses that agricultural metaphor. They were planted. The sorrow planted them in the soil. And what was to come forth was to be something that bloomed and blossomed and that others would see and recognize this is different what we expect to come out of death and, destru- death and destruction is sadness and sorrow and moping around and maybe just when the little things of life happen, whining. <laughs> and God says, that's not what I want to see in my people. That's not what I, why I put you here. That's not why this suffering exists. It's so that you can look to me and that joy can come forth and joy Shows. Look at how it is expressed in this psalm. This is a song of ascents, which basically means this is a psalm that they would sing as they were walking up to Jerusalem. A song of ascents. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. Notice, God has a different perspective on sowing and reaping. We want all of life to be easy. All right, I was thinking this morning, we have something called the American Dream. And most of us have achieved it. Most of the world doesn't even begin to understand what we're talking about. It isn't in their comprehension. Um... And because life is so easy for us so much of the time, when things don't meet that expectation, joy seems to disappear. It doesn't take much of a little candle to pop the balloon. But God never sees it that way. Life is hard, but the result that's produced can't come any other way. God's desire is that we find joy and rejoice in something that can't and won't change. Him. Joy shows, and the people sing on their way to Jerusalem. And certainly joy shows in the Christmas story. Mary had some incredibly difficult circumstances, and as I looked at this, I was trying to figure out when did Mary go to see Elizabeth. Now her choice of options doesn't make any sense to me. She leaves to go to see Elizabeth almost immediately after she gets the message from Gabriel. She leaves town for 3 months and returns just before the pregnancy would begin to show. Now it seems like she would have hung out for 3 months and then left town. Because her welcome back into the community was going to be questionable at best, and it might have been extraordinarily difficult. She was pregnant, she had no husband, and this was not a good thing. But when she goes to see Elizabeth... John the Baptist leaps for joy in Elizabeth's womb. Joy shows, and Mary's response has become a beautiful song from Luke 1:46 to 55. Notice what she says. And Mary said, "My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my savior." Notice the common thread. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Again, notice, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. I don't know what's going to happen. I have really no control over this situation. I'm in circumstances that I never anticipated, and yet my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. While well, Mary has many things to say about God, it is that first line that should stick with us. She is going through some very difficult times, and they are not going to get easier. They are going to get harder. She is going to experience sorrow like we cannot imagine. But the thing that gives her joy is that God is her Savior and she speaks that joy without hesitation. Joy shows. Joy shows with the shepherds. Now, this was an interesting one as I was trying to find pictures to go with the message yesterday. I searched and I searched and I searched and all I could find... Was pictures of shepherds with sad looks on their faces. Now, that's probably realistic because they were not valued in society. They had a horrible job. As Jews, they were ceremonially unclean constantly because they were constantly cleaning sheep and caring for dead sheep, and there's just, it was not a pleasant life. They were homeless. They couldn't put the sheep necessarily in a pen and go sleep in their warm bed for the night, so they slept out in the fields with the sheep. When they cleaned the hills and the weeds at Keysight, they would bring the sheep in. And it was kind of interesting to walk by the sheep, but I wouldn't want to stay there. They're noisy and smelly, and it's just... Not really pleasant, so it's not surprising that most of the pictures I found were sheep with sad looks on their faces. Um, sad. I have no idea what I just said. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's the shepherds that had sad faces, for sure. Now the question will be, do I edit that out before I put the sermon on the web? (laughs) Um, When the angels, in Luke 2, we read, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But the Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The shepherds were given incredible news. They didn't ignore it. They went and confirmed it, and then when they confirmed it, they couldn't contain it. Joy shows. I really encourage you to uh, take some time, maybe this week, it's a little bit different book, in it, but it's a book that really is the, um, that looks at Advent from the standpoint of the second coming. The book of 1 Thessalonians is a pretty incredible book. And when Paul gets to the end of the book, he's got some really um, clear and um, very terse instructions. In 1 Thessalonians 5:16 through 24 he says, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Rejoice always. Let's be honest. We don't see this as natural. The truth is, much of the time, our bodies, our relationships, and circumstances all conspire to discourage us. The last thing we want to do is sing, dance, and smile, or in any other way, show joy. And I'm guilty. I'm I'm a world-class whiner. Um, um, I I admire Shirley's patience with me over the uh, last couple of weeks of recovery. The first couple of days, I'm sure, were not fun. (laughs) Um, But before you burst like the balloon, stop and listen to the Spirit of God within you. He is there as a promise of what is now and what is to come. Remind yourself of His faithfulness and promises. Your circumstances might not change. Your body may still hurt. Your relationships might not heal overnight. But you may just find the corners of your mouth turning up in the sure hope of what God has in store for you, joy shows. The world understands joy that flows from winning a championship, getting a huge raise, or getting birth to a baby. What it doesn't understand and what it needs to see is joy that flows when the championship is lost, the job disappears. And the baby doesn't live. Let's anchor our joy in Jesus and rejoice always. Let's let our joy show. Now, we're going to have several opportunities to let our joy show over the next several weeks. There will be parties and family gatherings and caroling and all sorts of stuff um, That will do. Matter of fact, we're going to have a chance with the closing song this morning um, to let our joy show. We have confidence (coughs) that Jesus came to earth, died for us, and rose again. Um, So let's let our joy show. We eagerly expect that Jesus is coming again to also bring us that same victory over death and eternal life with God. Let's let our joy show. Let's close in prayer. Father, um, thank you for the gift of your Son. Thank you for the gift of your presence. And that one of the gifts of your presence is that joy can flow out of us, that our joy can show And Father, I pray that as we go through this season, as we go through every day, as we encounter the circumstances of life, that we would be a visible witness to the joy that is within us, that our joy would show. In Jesus' name, amen.